Wyatt Phillips surveyed his home bar. It was almost exactly as he had envisioned it in the planning. Walnut walls, a real oak bar taken from a demolished hotel in Newburyport, and glass-fronted cabinets stocked full of bottles. They were real liquor bottles too, now that 21st Amendment had passed and Prohibition was repealed. It looked great, it smelled great, but Wyatt sighed. There was no escaping the past, no way to erase his memories. You can repurpose rooms, knock down entire walls, but in the end, you still know. That, he guessed, was the curse of being human. Carolyn, his wife, came around the corner of the bar. She was dressed in a lavender silk evening gown, and he thought she looked fantastic. She had a different opinion of him, though, asking, When are you going to change? Our guests will be here soon. It must be perfect tonight, darling. After last year's fiasco, it just has to be. He winced slightly and nodded in agreement. Fiasco was as far as Carolyn would go. She refused to discuss last year's events with him, and by unspoken consent, he didn't bring them up. Maybe if you ignore the past, it dies, Wyatt thought. I'll go change now, he said, leaning down to give her a quick kiss. Tonight will be perfect, my dear. I promise. Carolyn quickly smoothed her skirt and smiled at him. I know, darling. It will be worth it. Wyatt returned her smile as he left the lounge and walked down the hall. Fresh wallpaper covered the rebuilding there. The old door had been well hidden when the wall was built. But if you knew it was there, you could have seen it. Now, nothing. He went into the bedroom. It didn't take him long to change from his work clothes into something a little more fashionable. He just finished with his tie and was reaching for his houndstooth jacket when he thought he heard a noise. Wyatt froze. It had sounded like feet, little feet, pattering down the hall. Now, there was nothing. Just an eerie silence. He listened for a few seconds, but there was nothing. He shook his head. Stress, maybe? He was worried about making a better impression than last year. That must be it. His eyes shifted to the calendar on the wall. One year ago. It seemed much more recent. His mind drifted back to that fateful day. They'd moved into the new house on Cabot Street a month or so before, and the dinner party was supposed to be their chance to make a good impression on their new neighbors and colleagues. Wyatt sighed at the memory. It had all started so well. He was one of those people who got along easily with many different types of people. And Carolyn? Oh, Carolyn. She was so beautiful and full of life that people naturally gravitated to her. But it had all gone so terribly wrong. The wooden panels of the room, that room had crashed into the lounge. Everyone stopped mid-conversation. The silence was deafening, and Wyatt had finally understood the meaning of that phrase. When the dust had cleared, two female figures, small, with lank hair, vacant eyes, and long white gowns had been revealed. The moment of stunned incredulity had been broken by a voice that Wyatt did not recognize. The woman's scream pierced the silence. Ghosts! And pandemonium had followed. Panic spread among the guests much faster than Wyatt could stop it. There had been a general exodus, a rush for the doors. One man leapt through the bay windows, and several guests suffered injuries. Carolyn was reduced to a tearful wreck, surveying the suddenly empty and trashed lounge. She was right, Wyatt felt, in calling the whole thing a fiasco. He straightened his tie and pulled his mind back to the present. This year things would go much better. He looked at himself in the mirror, still handsome, maybe in a more distinguished manner, and a bit more around the belly, but 
he still had his looks. Coming out east was clearly the best thing they'd done. Only out here, among the educated and the civilized, could he and Carolyn build a proper life for themselves. A life that had almost been thwarted the previous year. He came back to the lounge, in time to see Carolyn greeting their first guests, Bob and Amanda Waite from over the road. Bob grinned at Wyatt and headed for the bar. You're catering this for yourselves tonight, eh? No staff in this time? Wyatt nodded, slipping behind the oak bar. Seems better. May I pour you a drink? They'd explained the appearance of the strange figures at last year's party as a badly thought-out prank by the children of the staff they'd hired to work the party. Most people seemed to have accepted that. Even though the staff were among those fleeing with everyone else in the panic, people accept explanations that don't require much thinking. The easy answer, true or not, works for most. Wyatt poured Bob a scotch and water. His neighbor inhaled the smoky aroma, eyes lighting with pleasure. Carolyn and Amanda came up beside the men. And Wyatt stocks such a nice drop, Amanda nodded. You are a lucky woman. Wyatt's almost as good a catch as Bob. Wyatt joined in the laughter, but it felt hollow to him. Despite the open windows, he could smell the dust and the scent of unwashed bodies, the smell of the fiasco. He remembered that Carolyn had not been so happy then. As the last hysterical guest had followed the stampede out of the house, she had risen to her feet and fixed the other three people in the room with a look of malevolent rage, with a hatred that Wyatt had never seen from her before. Get them out, she had said, her voice dangerously flat and low. Get them out, through the house, to the garage, before anyone comes back and sees them, now! He had grabbed the girl's wrists and dragged them roughly from the room, more to escape Carolyn than anything else. Papa, Susie had screamed. Papa, you hurt me. He'd slowed, only slightly, though as his own annoyance and anger kept his pace rapid. You were supposed to watch, that was all. He'd growled, putting all his frustration and disappointment with them into the statement. May, the other one, had replied. Did... Uh, just leaned... Uh, the wall broke. He hadn't bothered with any more conversation. Angrily, he'd pushed them into the garage, hissing at them to keep silent. He was pulled back to the here and now by Bob's voice. Pardon what? Asked Wyatt. Just wondered if I could get another said Bob, raising his empty glass. You seem to be away for a minute there. Wyatt shook his head. Yeah, my apologies. He poured another drink for Bob and looked toward the door where Carolyn was ushering in another couple, Frank and Mary. He straightened slightly, unconsciously eager to impress his boss. Wyatt's eyes fell on Frank as he took a hard gulp from his drink. Wyatt thought for a minute. Wine. That's right. He'd stashed a good bottle of French Red here somewhere for him. He reached into the cupboard under the bar. No. The voice was soft, frightened, scared. He quickly glanced around him. Carolyn was talking to the new arrivals. The waits were chatting by the open bay windows. There was no one else here. No one seemed to have noticed anything. Slowly he rose, putting the bottle on the bar and uncorking it. Frank spotted it almost immediately, breaking off from Carolyn and coming over. Excellent choice. He commented. Wyatt smiled, reaching for a wine glass. Please, no, came the voice again. Wyatt froze. Frank frowned, his eyes on Wyatt's arm, frozen halfway to the wine glasses. You okay? Wyatt shook his head, trying to clear the echo of the voice from his mind. His eyes scanned the room. Again, no one else seemed to have noticed. Uh, sorry, he said, 
Just a, ah, twinge in my elbow. Here's the glass. At least Carolyn hadn't noticed, he sighed. There couldn't be problems, not this year too. Last year, when he'd gotten back from the garage, she'd still been angry, angrier than he'd ever seen her. Not screaming, shouting angry, but furious with a deadly cold look in her eyes. Your indiscretions have destroyed us. She'd hissed at him, glaring. He'd slumped into a chair and pulled out a cigarette. You said we couldn't leave them back in Arkansas, or I'd have dumped them there. She'd shaken her head. You could have, but then their tramp mother would have found us one day and demanded you pay for them. She might have been a cheap woman of the night, but she was no fool. We could still dump them, he'd suggested. Leave them somewhere here, an orphanage or out on the Lower East Side. No, she'd said. They might somehow be connected to us. They'd ruin our life. I can't just rebuild the disappointments room, he'd mused. Not when people know it's there. There'd been silence then, as they'd thought over their options. It was Wyatt who'd made the next suggestion. There could be, he'd begun, a more permanent solution. A good solution, Frank repeated, putting a stop to Wyatt's recollections. Pardon? asked Wyatt. Sorry, I didn't hear you properly. The bar, said Frank, gesturing with his glass. It was a good solution to that empty room those girls discovered last year. It adds a touch more class to the lounge. Good thinking, pal. He patted Wyatt on the back. It does, agreed Wyatt. No point wasting unused space. Frank drifted away, going to join a knot of Wyatt's co-workers. He frowned. When had they arrived? He'd have to pay more attention, stop his mind from wandering. He stepped back from the bar, back further into what had once been a separate room. His foot skidded and he looked down. Water? Why was there water on the floor? Had he spilled something? He looked closer. There was a puddle of water, quite large, and in the middle of it, a coin. An old Indian head penny. He hadn't seen one of those recently. Not since... He remembered they'd talked about his suggestion that night. Carolyn had agreed, after some discussion. Any other solution would have left a threat hanging over their lifestyle, their future, forever. It was obvious they would each be responsible for one girl. But there was no fair way to decide who would deal with which one. Wyatt had idly stuck his hand in his pocket and come up with a penny, and Old Indian had one. So they'd simply flipped the coin. He got Susie, she got May. They would do it separately the next night. After it was done, they'd agreed. They'd never discuss it again. The day after the party had been filled with the stories, the explanations, the lies. Wyatt had felt a sense of excitement, almost elation, as he baldly lied to everyone who asked. He'd known as well that his excitement was partly due to the awareness that he would soon be rid of the biggest threat to his happiness. One more night, and he'd never have to worry about them bringing his life down. He broke away from his memories and looked out over all the happy guests in his lounge. Yes, it had all been worth it. I'm worried about the furnace, said Carolyn in a quiet voice. Wyatt looked back to the bar where his wife was standing. She looked flushed. You okay? he asked. It's hot, she said, sipping some water. Can't you feel it? It's burning in here. Be a sweetheart and check the thermostat, please. Wyatt frowned. It didn't seem hot to him. If anything, there was a chill in the back of the bar. He shrugged. He would do anything for her. For them. He kissed Carolyn and headed for the thermostat in the hall to check the setting. He weaved among the guests. When had the room filled up? He'd have to stop getting distracted. 
He had to focus. Make this night the perfect night that Carolyn deserved. It was for them, for their future. He checked the thermostat. 75, just where he liked it. Then he slid it down to 70, just for her. He took one look at the street through the open front door, and then turned back to the lounge, moving back in among the guests. As he made his way back to the bar, he exchanged pleasantries with various people, slipping in and out of conversations with practiced ease. He was comfortable here, playing the role of the urban sophisticate. Here, he was accepted, a far cry from the life they'd left behind in Arkansas. Last year's sacrifice was worth it. Sacrifice. An interesting choice of words, he thought. Apt, really. A sacrifice to guarantee their continued success? Again, he let his mind wander back a year. They had ignored the girls the day after the party. Wyatt had fed them, as he always did, but that was it. The girls, to their credit, hadn't made a fuss, not even when they'd woken them shortly after midnight. Wyatt had selected his heaviest old woolen sweater for Susie. He told her to put it on. They'd be going for a ride, and he told her he wanted her to be warm. She hadn't quibbled, despite the mildness of the night. She'd gotten into the back seat of his Model A Ford and laid down without any complaint. He'd pulled away from the house on Cabot Street without any chance of the neighbors seeing her in the car. The drive to the bridge had been fine. There was barely any traffic that early on a Monday morning. He'd debated for a while whether to stop at the bottom of the bridge and walk up, or risk stopping on the bridge itself. Given that he'd seen almost no one else on the road, he'd decided he could afford the risk of stopping on the bridge, though he'd chosen a spot where there was the least light. Come on out, he told Susie. I want to show you the city at night. She'd followed him to the bridge rail. It was there that he'd discovered it was slightly higher than he'd anticipated. It would take a little more effort than a quick push. It was only when he'd moved to pick her up that Susie had finally seemed to notice that something was wrong. No, she'd said in a soft, frightened voice. I just want to hold you up so you can see over the railings, he reassured her. Please, no, she'd begged as he picked her up. He'd thrown her over the railing before she could really start to struggle. Her scream wasn't that loud, and it was cut off with a splash when she hit the water. He hadn't waited to make sure she'd gone under. He was certain the heavy woolen pullover would see to that. Instead, he'd gotten back in the car and taken a circuitous and leisurely drive home. There'd been no point hurrying, no point drawing attention to himself and his car. He'd gotten back to the house a few minutes before Carolyn. She'd come back through the door looking somewhat disheveled, her face smudged with something black. She'd looked at him without an ounce of remorse on her face, shrugged and said, There was an accident, a fire. He'd nodded. There was an accident, a fall from a bridge. They'd never discussed the details and never mentioned that night again. The next day, Wyatt had started the plans to turn the old hidden room into a bar extension off the lounge. Ah, uh, the bar. Looking at it now, a year later, he had to admit it looked good. There were a few people gathered around it now, making it look even better. Bars needed people, but they didn't seem to be drinking. They were looking down at the floor behind the bar. Staring at what? Wyatt extricated himself from the couple who were talking to him and made his way back to the bar. What's happening? He asked as he approached. Frank was still there. He waved his wine glass at the floor. You seem to have a water leak. It's created quite a strange pattern on the floor. Wyatt leaned forward and looked at the floor where Frank was pointing. There was a slowly spreading puddle there. It seemed to be seeping up from beneath the floorboards. Oddly shaped was right, 
there was a central puddle with four, no five extensions running off it. Like, it almost looks like a body, doesn't it? Asked Frank, expressing what Wyatt was thinking. Yes, Wyatt's mouth felt dry as he agreed. Strange how water flows, isn't it? He slipped behind the bar, reaching for the mop in the far corner. It felt cooler back here, almost cold. There must be a problem with the heating. Before he could get the mop, Amanda moved beside him and spoke softly in his ear. You should come and see Carolyn. She seems to have a fever or something. Wyatt turned away from the mop. Carolyn was unwell? He hurried after Amanda, ignoring the concerned looks from the guests. Carolyn was his life. Everything was their success, theirs together. He found her stretched out on a low divan. Her wonderful gown was stuck to her body with sweat. Her face glistened with it. Her hair was lank with it. He dropped to his knees beside her and grabbed her hand. What's wrong? Are you okay? Burning, she whispered. I'm burning up. Get me some water, please, dear. He rose, looking for a carafe of water. There should be one somewhere here. He'd put them out. Maybe behind that knot of people by the door? What were they looking at? Something on the floor? He avoided running, but walked swiftly over, hearing snatches of conversation as he did. Looks like a scorch mark. Take a lot of heat. Almost in the shape of... The last voice cut out as the light suddenly failed. The room was plunged into near darkness, illuminated only slightly by the soft glow of moonlight spilling through the open windows. Power cut, he heard from someone. He paid the bills from another voice. It didn't matter what they thought. He had to get water for Carolyn. Then the tone of talk around him changed. He could feel it as well as hear it. A disquiet, not quite fear, but confusion and anxiety. The group ahead of him backed up, pushing him back. He looked around. Ahead of him, there was a dull reddish glow from the floor, not particularly bright, but in the semi-darkness it was noticeable. Something made him turn back to the bar. There too was a dull glow, but bluish this time. It seemed to be slowly gaining intensity. Frank and the others at the bar were slowly backing away. Then the whole house shuddered. It was like it had been smacked by something huge. He felt, rather than saw, the doors and windows slam shut. The sudden change in air pressure hurt his ears. The sudden shock had silenced any remaining conversations. A few sharp inhalations and a single whimper were all Wyatt could hear. He took a couple of steps back into the lounge and cleared his throat, intending to say something calming. He had just opened his mouth when both the glowing spots suddenly burst forth with overpowering brightness. The hall was filled with a bright, almost flame-like red light. Behind the bar, the blue light had a similar intensity, but light seemed somehow cold to Wyatt. As the glow died down and people's eyesight began to adjust, the screams began. Floating a few inches above each glow was the figure of a young girl, both in white gowns with long, lanky hair. Only now they looked different, changed, disfigured. Despite the screaming and pushing people around him, Wyatt felt himself oddly calm, more fascinated by the changes in the girls than anything else. The one above the red glow looked thinner, her face and arms shriveled and dark. A few crispy remnants of skin dangled from what used to be her arms, but they were mostly made up of dark, charred muscles, barely hanging onto the bones. He swung around, pushing and wading through the panicked guests who were rushing for the closed door, trying desperately to get out. He no longer cared about them. Instead, he focused on the figure hovering near the bar. 
Water was dripping off her skin, clothes and hair, and pooling on the floor beneath her. Her skin looked discolored, marbled. A froth of blood and water bubbled around her mouth. Her torso seemed bloated. Susie, he whispered quietly. The lounge had emptied. The guests had fled somewhere, somehow, leaving the debris of their rapid exit behind them. Only he, Carolyn on the divan, and the two girls remained. Wyatt backed slowly toward the divan, aware that the eyes of the girls, or in the case of the red-lit one, the hollow sockets, were following his movements. He knelt beside Carolyn, somehow still calm. Part of his mind was screaming, but another part knew panic was useless. There was no way out, no solution. His road was ending, but he would end it with Carolyn. The figures raised their hands, pointing at the couple. Carolyn writhed as tiny fingers of torrid flame raced along her limbs. Wyatt coughed, gasping, unable to breathe. His chest felt like it was burning as it expanded within his chest. He coughed again, projecting water across the room, cascading torrents out of his mouth. Carolyn, he thought, he needed to be with her. His body twisted forward, his head smacked down on the divan as he coughed an increasing stream of water out of his lungs. They seemed to fill again instantly. He tried to breathe in, but couldn't. His mind now screamed for oxygen, but there was nothing he could do. As his vision slowly faded to black, he reached for Carolyn. The last thing he felt was a burning pain in his hand. Carolyn's hand, now wreathed in fire, found him and wrapped her fingers around him. Together, he thought as consciousness faded, together in everything.